Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Imagine walking out of your home one morning on the plains, only to see a towering cloud of dust hurtling towards you and your family. There's little you can do to prepare as the cloud quickly consumes everything in its path, plunging the surrounding area into literal darkness. No, this isn't a nightmare or an episode of Courage the Cowardly Dog, but a particularly depressing period of time in the United States known as the Dust Bowl. A combination of extreme drought and human error would drive half a million people from their homes in an effort to escape the suffocating clouds of dirt and dust and to find new opportunity. As always, before we start, I do have to do my shameless Patreon plug. This level of support is greatly appreciated, and the show will always remain free. I've revamped the tier benefits to include some new merchandise and gifts that you can receive once you complete your first month's billing cycle. The Community Responder level, or the $5 level, is the entry-level tier. This tier offers access to the Patreon community, a monthly AMA hosted on the show's Reddit page, and a shout-out each episode. The next is the Section Chief, or $10 tier. This tier offers all perks from the previous tier, a 10% discount on merch, and four destination disaster stickers following your first month's billing cycle. And finally, the Emergency Management Director, or $20 tier, is the highest level of support currently and offers all benefits from previous tiers, plus a 20% discount on merchandise and a curated merchandise bundle worth $50. If you choose to support, please know that there is no obligation and you can cancel at any time. The show will always be free to listen to, and the Patreon support is merely to help the show continue to grow. To better understand the period of time that was coined the Dust Bowl, we must first understand the preceding events that would ultimately lead to this disastrous period of time. Beginning with the Homeland Act of 1862, 
the federal government encouraged settlement across the Great Plains, first offering 160-acre quarter-section plots. In 1863, the initial sections of the Transcontinental Railroad began construction, which in the future would offer quicker transit into America's western territories. By 1865, the Civil War came to an end, and by 1869, the Transcontinental Railroad had finished construction. Waves of settlers and immigrants rushed to the west and immediately began cultivating the arid land. An unusually wet period in the Great Plains mistakenly led settlers and the federal government to believe that rain follows the plow, a popular phrase among real estate promoters, and that the region's climate had permanently changed. While initial agricultural endeavors were primarily cattle ranching, the harsh winter's adverse effects on the cattle, beginning in 1886, a short drought in 1890, and general overgrazing led many landowners to increase the amount of land under cultivation. Recognizing the challenge of cultivating marginal arid land, the U.S. government expanded on the 160 acres offered under the Homestead Act, granting 640 acres to homesteaders in western Nebraska under the Kincaid Act in 1904 and 320 acres elsewhere in the Great Plains under the Enlarged Homestead Act of 1909. Waves of European settlers arrived in the plains at the beginning of the 20th century. A return of unusually wet weather seemingly confirmed a previously held opinion that the formerly semi-arid area could support large-scale agriculture. At the same time, technological improvements such as mechanized plowing and mechanized harvesting made it possible to arborate larger properties without increasing labor costs. As time continued to churn, the world was once again thrust into conflict, first with World War I and then the Russian Revolution in 1917. This period of time increased the shortage of wheat and other commodity crops, further increasing the demand and further exploitative farming methods on the arid plains. Farmland throughout portions of the Great Plains expanded exponentially, leading to further soil erosion, and as time continued through the 1920s, we would enter what would be known as the Great Depression, which would see the world fall into severe economic crisis. We're going to pause right here to take a quick break and listen to our sponsors for the show. At the tail end of the 1920s, the Great Depression began to affect not only the United States, but the world as a whole. Beginning in September 1929, this economic downturn quickly affected Wall Street and would lead to the stock market crash on October 24th, better known as Black Thursday. Between 1929 and 1932, worldwide GDP fell by an estimated 15%. By comparison, the worldwide GDP fell by less than 1% between the 2008 and 2009 Great Recession. Some economies started to recover by the mid-1930s. However, in many countries, the negative effects of the Great Depression lasted until the beginning of World War II. Devastating effects were seen in both rich and poor countries with falling personal income, prices, tax revenues, and profits. International trade fell by more than 50%. Unemployment in the U.S. rose to 23%, and in some countries rose to as high as 33%. To add insult to injury, a series of droughts began to plague the United States and would come to be known as the Dust Bowl, as exploitative farming practices would lead to soil on the Great Plains becoming dry and turning to dust. The Dust Bowl 
was a particularly depressing period of American history lasting between 1934 to 1940. This event would span several states to include counties in Texas, New Mexico, Kansas, Colorado, Oklahoma, and Nebraska. A combination of factors, both natural and man-made, would culminate in the iconic photos of mile-high dust clouds encompassing everything in their paths and a mass migration from an area that the federal government pushed to populate. In a rush to generate higher crop yields, farmers abandoned typical dryland farming practices, which included wider spacing between plants, minimal tilling, and soil conservation. Instead, farmers rushed tilling away precious grasses that held the soil in place and placed as many plants as close together as feasibly possible. With insufficient understanding of the ecology of the Great Plains, farmers had conducted extensive deep plowing of the Great Plains' virgin topsoil during the previous decade. This displaced the native deep-rooted grasses that normally trapped soil and moisture even during periods of drought and high winds. The rapid mechanization of farm equipment, especially small gasoline tractors and widespread use of the combine harvester, contributed to the farmers' decisions to convert arid grassland, much of which received no more than 10 inches of precipitation per year, to cultivated cropland. Due to this and the drought that had set in, in 1930, this created the perfect conditions for dust storms to occur. During the drought of the 1930s, the unanchored soil turned to dust, while prevailing winds blew away in huge clouds that sometimes blackened the sky. These choking billows of dust, named black blizzards or black rollers, traveled cross-country, reaching as far as the East Coast, striking such cities as New York City and Washington, D.C. On the plains, they often reduced visibility to three feet or less. Associated Press reporter Robert E. Geiger happened to be in Boise City, Oklahoma to witness the Black Sunday Black Blizzards of April 14, 1935. Edward Stanley, the Kansas City news editor of the Associated Press, coined the term Dust Bowl while rewriting Geiger's news story. Black Sunday is the worst dust storm on record, as dust clouds wouldn't carry for miles, but the lengths of entire states, stretching from Canada south all the way to Texas. On April 14th, at 2.49 p.m., a great black dust cloud came in from the north. It was estimated to be 500 to 600 feet in height and was moving at a rate of 50 to 60 miles per hour. The instant it struck, almost total darkness set in. The following is a quote from the Weather Bureau logs. The onrushing cloud, the darkness, and the thick, choking dirt made this storm one of terror and the worst while it lasted ever known here. Some observers had seen hundreds of birds, geese, ducks, and other kinds flying in front of the dust cloud. A number of small dead birds were found on the ground after the storm. The Red Cross established a relief setup for dust sufferers. The headquarters was in Liberal, Kansas, according to Red Cross officials. Seventeen deaths had been reported in Kansas from dust pneumonia, and three died from dust suffocation. This was from the Weather Bureau log on April 24th. Dust pneumonia resulted when lungs were filled with dust. Symptoms included a high fever, chest pains, coughing, and breathing difficulties. These storms would continue and would eventually force a mass exodus of those living on the plains in search of food and a steady income that had been promised to them when initially migrating to the plains states. Over 500,000 people would be displaced as a result of these destructive dust storms. An examination of Census Bureau statistics and other records, and a 1939 survey of occupation by the Bureau of Agricultural Economics of about 116,000 families who arrived in California in the 1930s showed that only 43% of Southwesterners were doing farm work immediately before they migrated. Nearly a third of all migrants were professional or white-collar workers. 
Some farmers had to take on unskilled labor when they moved. Leaving the farming sector commonly led to greater social mobility as there was a far greater likelihood that migrant farmers would later go into semi-skilled or high-skill fields that paid better. Now imagine this as a constant in your life on the Great Plains. One day you're out farming or shopping at the local market and you come out to see an ominous cloud of suffocating dust headed for you. The only thing that you can think of is trying to find a place to shelter to ride out strong winds that accompany this cloud. It would be up to the government to support both recovery and sustainability efforts in order to make sure those living on the Great Plains were protected and that the vital lands could recover. The government's response was swift and there were many agencies either created or repurposed to begin with resettlement and soil conservation operations. Agencies such as the Soil Conservation Service, now the Natural Resources Conservation Service, created detailed soil maps thanks to aerial mapping and photography. This helped officials identify where immediate steps needed to be taken. To identify areas that needed immediate attention, groups such as the Soil Conservation Service generated detailed soil maps and took photos of the land from the sky. To create shelter belts to reduce soil erosion, groups such as the United States Forest Service's Prairie States Forestier Project planted trees on private lands. And groups like the Resettlement Administration, which later became the Farm Security Administration, encouraged small farm owners to resettle on other lands if they lived in drier parts of the plains. By 1940, counties that had experienced the most erosion had a greater decline in agricultural land values. The per acre value of farmland declined by 28% in high erosion counties and 17% in medium erosion counties relative to land value changes in low erosion counties. Even over the long term, the land's agricultural value often failed to return to pre-dust bowl levels. In highly eroded areas, less than 25% of the original agricultural losses were recovered. The economy adjusted predominantly through large relative population declines in more eroded counties, both during the 1930s and through the 1950s. Farmers didn't learn their lesson and continued to utilize crops that weren't as productive in the drought-ridden soil. Instead, most shifted to technology that increased yields and dug deeper to access aquifers that provided much-needed moisture to crops. Capital-intensive agribusiness had transformed the scene. Deep wells into the aquifer, intensive irrigation, and the use of artificial pesticides and fertilizers and giant harvesters were creating immense crops year after year, whether it rained or not. According to farmers that were interviewed, technology had provided the perfect answer to all troubles, and the bad days would not return. This scene demonstrated that America's capitalist, high-tech farmers had learned nothing. They were continuing to work in an unsustainable way, devoting far cheaper, subsidized energy to growing food than the energy could give back to its ultimate consumers. In all, approximately 7,000 people died as a result of starvation, dust pneumonia, or other lung diseases. Two million people would be left homeless, and estimates that of those poverty-stricken families, Losses amounted to $25 million per day, or about $530 million per day in today's money. I want to thank you all for listening this week, and most importantly for supporting this show. Please consider joining the Patreon if you are able to, and please share the show with those around you. Until next week, this has been Destination Disaster.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. 